Well, if you could travel back to any day in history, what day would you go to? And don't answer out loud, but think about that in your mind today. If you could travel back to any day in history, what day would you go to? Maybe you would travel back in world history and watch Leonardo da Vinci paint. Or maybe go and watch the Great Pyramids being built. Or maybe you'd like to go and be present in the crowd when Queen Elizabeth II took the throne. Or maybe you say, no, I want to travel back in U.S. history. I'd like to go back and be present when they signed the Declaration of Independence. Or I'd like to be with George Washington as they crossed the Delaware. Or perhaps you'd like to walk on the moon with Neil Armstrong. Or maybe you say, no, I want to go the biblical history route. I'd, I'd like to go and spend the night with Daniel in the lion's den. Or, or, or maybe I want to go and hang out with Abraham and Sarah and just have a meal with them there at their tent. Or, or maybe you say, no, I'd like to go fishing with Peter. If you could go to any day in history, what day would you go to? Now, I know I'm talking to a lot of Christians, and perhaps you would say, especially because you're sitting in church today, you would say, no, I would like to go and spend the day with Jesus. Spend the day with Jesus, the whole day, to go where he goes, to see what he does, to hear what he says. Imagine if you could do that, if you could go back, travel back in time, and spend the day with Jesus. Well, we're going to do that today. Now, I'm sorry, I don't have a DeLorean parked out in the parking lot where you can get in and physically go back in time, but we're going to go in the Scripture and we're going to spend the day with Jesus Christ. We're going to see where he was, what he said, what he does. And I want you, if you would, to open your Bibles this morning, please, to the Gospel of Mark and find the first chapter, Mark chapter 1. And we're going to spend the day with Jesus. We're going to begin there kind of in the morning and work our way to late at night and see what a day in the life of Jesus was like. Now, I've got to tell you, this is a very busy Sabbath day that we're going to spend with Jesus. And we find it in Mark chapter 1, and we'll read down. Uh, totally today, we'll read verses 21 through 39. We'll begin today about looking at verses 21 through 34, and then we'll add some more verses on as we go along. But let's look at Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 21, and keep your Bibles open. We're going to be there uh, throughout the message today. Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 21. Then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. Now, as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever, 
And they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she served them. At evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all that were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Now, already in this day that we're looking at, we find three snapshots from Jesus' life. The first snapshot takes us to the synagogue. And two amazing things happened at the synagogue that day. The first is Jesus' teaching. When he rose to teach, he taught in a way they'd never heard before. In fact, the Scripture says he taught with authority, not like the other scribes. When Jesus spoke, they took note. When he taught them, they realized this is someone that's different and what he's saying is different. And they were amazed at his teaching. He taught with authority. But then there's a great disturbance in the synagogue that day. A man was there who was demon-possessed. And that demon-possessed man begins to cry out because the demon within him recognized who it was standing before them, he recognized that he was Jesus, the Holy One of God. And Jesus delivers this demon-possessed man from the demons, these unclean spirits, and the word spreads like wildfire. That's snapshot number one. Snapshot number two takes us to Simon Peter's house. Upon entering Simon Peter's house, the sad news is given that Peter's wife's mother is sick with a fever. In fact, it seems very serious. She's there. She's down with a fever. And they tell Jesus. What does Jesus do? He heals her by taking her hand and lifting her up. Jesus completely healed Peter's mother-in-law. Now, some people think that's why Peter denied him later, uh, but we're not sure. Snapshot number three. We're still at Simon Peter's house, but snapshot three takes us late into the evening. The sun is set. The Sabbath is over, and so people can move about again. And remember, the word had spread like wildfire about what happened in the synagogue. Jesus is teaching. Jesus casting out the demons. And so many people show up at the door. It says there in the Scripture that the whole city was gathered together at the door. And Jesus spent the evening healing the sick and casting out demons. And with so many people, I imagine this went late into the night. Um, so let's summarize Jesus' day. So far, we've spent time with him at the synagogue. We've spent time with him here at Simon Peter's house. And then we spend time there looking at these great crowds of people. I really wonder how they finally got them to go away. I really wonder how in the world they got them to close the door and say, okay, enough for tonight, and to go home. Now I imagine that Jesus, now remember Jesus here is fully God and he's fully man. He's the God-man. You have deity and humanity joined together fully here. I imagine that he fell asleep very, very quickly. It was a busy Sabbath day, a very busy Sabbath day. And Chuck Swindoll said it this way, deity never gets tired but humanity can become exhausted. Deity never sleeps. Humanity must rest. In his full humanity, Jesus was exhausted. Are you exhausted today? 
I mean, are you just worn out? Jesus understands what that's like. I, I really believe, as we've looked at his day at the synagogue, teaching, casting out unclean spirits, throughout healing, casting out demons late into the evening, Jesus is exhausted. He's worn out. You know, we started out by thinking about famous days in history. And if you could travel back to any day in history, what day would you travel to? But have you ever given thought to this? Did you ever think about the day after that day? You know, we have all these famous days on the calendar and we can go back and study history and look at all these monumental events, but there comes the next day and life goes on and the sun comes up and a new day dawns as we sometimes sing here. You ever think about the next day? Well, thankfully, we're not left to wonder about what happened on Jesus' next day. In fact, Mark ushers us along to the next morning after that marathon Sabbath of teaching and healing and casting out demons. And what we learn that Jesus does here is remarkable. It's so instructive. It's so helpful. I want to pick up the account. You're still there in Mark chapter 1. Now, we left off at verse 34. Now, I want you to read verse 35 with me. It says, Now in the morning. We're in the next day now. Now in the morning. Having risen a long while before daylight, he, that is Jesus, went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and when they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. Now, we know that Jesus is our greatest example. He's the model that we're to follow. He's the one that we're to emulate. His life is the life of the example. As a believer, as a follower of Jesus, we look to Jesus and see what Jesus does, how Jesus lived, what Jesus said, and we model our lives after that. And in Jesus' action here in this morning after that marathon Sabbath, he shows us what he considered to be important. And in doing so, he gives us instruction for our own lives. Now, it's obvious here that Jesus had made some decisions about his life. In fact, we're going to see what we're about to study together in these uh, verses we just read, that really what goes on there is based upon a decision that Jesus made earlier in life. Keeping in mind that Jesus is fully God and fully man. We know he was born to the Virgin Mary. He went through the natural process as we get to. We don't know a lot about his early life. But we do have an incident when he was 12 years old. And when he was 12 years old, we have the first recorded words of the Lord Jesus. And what we find taking place here in Mark chapter 1 is just the result of that earlier decision that Jesus made. I want you to hear what Jesus said at 12 years old. Remember the story, you know, they had gone to worship, they left, Jesus stayed behind, they're looking frantically for them, finally they find Jesus, and Jesus says this, and he said to them, why did you seek me, this is 12 year old Jesus speaking, why did you seek me, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? As fully man and fully God, Jesus made the decision in his life and he declared that decision here at the age of 12. I must be about my father's business, talking about his heavenly father. And then you fast forward to this ministry in Mark chapter 1. And what we see going on here is a continuation of that decision 
that Jesus made. You know, if you want to have a successful life, you make some decisions early on, and then you just manage those decisions you've already made day by day. Jesus said early in his life, 12 years old, I've got to be about my father's business. And we find that going on here in Mark chapter 1. And what we see here, I want to share with you for the next few minutes, and I think it will be a help to all of us, is this. Three decisions that will help you to be more like Jesus. Now, I hope that your desire is to be more like Jesus. I know we're in January. And by the way, it's January the 15th, and so I don't know if you made any resolutions or not, and I'm not going to ask you how they're going. If they're going great, you can say like this. If not, then just look straight ahead and pretend, all right? But you know, all kinds of resolutions, all kinds of decisions. I'm going to save more money. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to run a marathon. Whatever it is that you've decided that you want to do. But I do pray that as you think about a new year and a new month and new opportunities, that one of your goals would be that in 2023 that you would be more like Jesus. In fact, that's a worthy goal every day. We can't do it on our own mind. We need His help. But as believers, we want to be more like Jesus. By the way, that's what God is doing in your life. God is working in your life to make you more like Jesus. The Bible says to be conformed to the image of His Son. And He uses all sorts of things to do that. But that's another sermon for another day. These are three decisions that you need to make and I need to make to be more like Jesus. And we find them right here in this passage. So Christian, I hope that you'll write these down. I hope that you'll take them down. I hope that you'll take them to heart. And I hope that if you haven't already made these decisions, you'll make them today. But before I give them to you, I've got to talk about another decision. Because there may be some folks I'm talking to today that are not Christians. You've never had a time in your life where you've given your life to Christ, repented of your sin, turned from your sin and placed your faith in Christ. Let me talk to you about the most important decision you'll ever make. See, the most important decision you'll make in life is not what your career is going to be or even who you're going to marry, although those are very important decisions. The most important decision in your life is, are you going to follow Jesus Christ? The Bible says that all of us have sinned, all of us have messed up. I'll be the first to admit, yes, I have. And the Bible says that our sin, our failure in that area, the glory of God, our failing in that, it separates us from God. But God loves us so much that He sent Jesus who came as the God-man, lived a perfect life without sin, and then voluntarily gave His life on the cross, shed His precious blood, and He died as our substitute was buried, but then rose again victorious. And the Bible says that if we'll turn from our sin and place our faith, that is our trust, in Jesus Christ alone, He'll save us, He'll forgive us, He'll cleanse us, He'll give us a home in heaven, He'll give us um, new life in Christ, make us an heir and join heir with Christ. So many wonderful things are ours today if we'll trust Him as Savior. If you've never done that, I want to encourage you because... As God is tugging on your heart, I want to encourage you to give your life to Jesus Christ, to cry out to Him and be saved. All right, for those Christians that are here, are you ready for three decisions that will help you to be more like Jesus, taken right here from Mark chapter 1? Now, I'm going to give them to you as you would say them, as you would say them personally, 
Okay? So when you see how it's worded, it's because I want you to make these decisions if you choose to do so. The first decision we find here that will help make us more like Jesus is this. I will make prayer non-negotiable. I will make prayer non-negotiable. We just spent a very busy Sabbath day with Jesus. A day that would be exhausting physically, mentally, and emotionally. I mean, it would be draining. He's been healing sicknesses. He's been teaching. He's been dealing with demons and casting them out. And surely, Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, surely Jesus is going to take some extra time to sleep the next day. I mean, if anybody deserves to hit the snooze button, you got a snooze button? You ever hit it? Surely if anybody had the right to hit the snooze button on that day after this busy Sabbath, it was Jesus. But what do we read in verse 35? It says that he rose a long while before daylight. That would have been the last watch of the night. Somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. That's what the time would have been. Somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m. in the morning. And he got up to do what? He got up to pray. That's what it says. He left the house to find a solitary place to be alone and to pray. When you think of Jesus, you cannot help but think of prayer. Alan Carr said that Jesus is pictured in prayer no less than 25 times in the Gospels. Over and over again we find him praying to the Father. Why? Because he's got to be about his Father's business. It didn't matter that he had a busy day the day before He was going to be up praying to his father. Communion with the father was a non-negotiable with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's been said many times. You may say, I've heard that before. But hear it fresh and anew. If Jesus, who is God, needed to pray so much to live this life, how much more do you and I need to pray? I mean, he's God in the flesh. And yet we find him over and over and over again praying. And he wasn't confessing his sins. He didn't have any sins to confess. I mean, that's part of our prayer life, but it wasn't part of his. He never sinned. But he was totally dependent upon the Father. He did what the Father told him to do in the power of the Holy Spirit. And nothing and no one was going to stand in the way of Jesus' prayer life. He valued it more than sleep. So let me ask you, when's the last time that you lost a little bit of sleep in order to pray to the Father? When's the last time you stayed up late or got up earlier, got up in the middle of the night to spend time with the Father? There's always going to be ministry to do. There's always going to be people to help. There's always going to be tasks to accomplish. There's always going to be work around the house. There's always going to be things that you could give your time to. And sometimes we just keep doing and going and going and going. We're just spinning our wheels. Why? Because Jesus said clearly in his word, what? Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. And yet we try. We grow frustrated. We fail. And what we need to do is instead of being like busy Martha, we need to be like Mary and sit at Jesus' feet. You want to be more like Jesus, pray more. Second decision. I will let God set the agenda for my life. I'll let God set the agenda for my life. Interesting, Jesus is off praying. Did you notice this? 
And they send a search party out, really, in many regards. A search party comes looking for him. Look at what it says in Mark 1, 36 and 37. And Simon, this is Peter, and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone's looking for you. Luke 4 is the parallel account of this. Luke 4.42 says, listen, this is interesting. So we have Simon Peter and them looking for him. In Luke 4.42 it says, Now when it was day, he departed, went to a deserted place, and the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. Jesus is in demand. He is in demand. He's popular. In fact, they tell me literally it says there when Simon Peter and those were searching for him, it literally means to hunt him down. They were hunting him down. Why? They've got sick people. They've got demon-possessed people. They want healing. They want deliverance. They want Jesus to do these things for them. Everybody's looking for him. And basically, I think what Simon says to him there is, listen, you're missing an opportunity here. I mean, your popularity's rising. Everybody's looking for you. What are you doing out here? Everybody wants to be around you. Everybody wants to see you. You've got to capitalize on this opportunity. You're missing out. They, they, they had an agenda for Jesus, but it wasn't the right agenda. Jesus let God the Father set the agenda for His life. Put this reference down in your margin. John 6.38. Jesus says in John 6.38, For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. Listen, lots of people have an agenda for your life. They do. They want you to do what they want you to do. But as a believer, only one person has the right and the authority to set the agenda for my life and your life. And that is the Lord Himself. And Jesus did not move about at the request of the crowd here. He was moving along at the instruction of the Father. I guarantee you that Peter and his friends were not expecting Jesus to say what He does in verse 38. But he said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also because for this purpose I have come forth. I would have loved to have seen Peter's face when Jesus said that. What are you doing out here? Everybody's looking for you. You're missing out. Come on. Jesus says, let's go to the next town. That's why I've come. Now remember, Peter's young in the faith. He's going to grow. He's going to mature. Reminds me, beloved, we can do a lot of things in life. A lot of people have an agenda for us. We've got to make the decision that we're going to only let God set the agenda for our life. Only God gets to do that. Third decision, real quick. I will follow through on that agenda as He enables me. I will follow through on that agenda as He enables me. It's not enough to know the agenda that God has for us. Not enough just to know it. We've got to follow through. And we can't follow through in our own strength. We can only do it in His strength. Notice what it says about Jesus here. Verse 39 kind of brings a summary. And He was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. He followed through on God's agenda. In fact, what did Jesus say? One of the things that Jesus said on the cross is what? It is finished. He did what the Father sent him to do. He accomplished what God gave him to do. And every day of Jesus' life, it was not about even his agenda or the crowd's agenda or the disciples' agenda. It was about God the Father's agenda for him. And the same should be true in our life. 
You know, some listening to me today, you know what God wants you to do. You, you know it. The problem is you're not doing it. God always has our good and his glory in mind when he gives instruction to us. You don't have to have all the answers before stepping out on obedience. In fact, most of the time we don't. <laughs> we don't know how this is going to work, how this is going to pan out. But if God says go, we go. If God says do, we do. And we leave the results totally to him. So I want to challenge you believers today. I want you to think about your life and these three decisions. Can you honestly say this? Have you said this? Could you honestly say this? I will make prayer non-negotiable. No matter what else goes on, prayer is going to be vital, a priority in my life. Secondly, I will let God set the agenda for my life. Not my desires, not my will, not somebody else's. I'm going to let God set the agenda for my life. And then number three, I will follow through on that agenda as he enables me. Would you bow with me in prayer? Your eyes are closed. Your heads are bowed. I want to just thank with you just for a moment. I'll give you time to respond to what God the Holy Spirit might be saying to you this Sunday morning. First of all, if you don't know him, today's the day to turn from your sin and place your faith in Christ. You can do that right where you are. You can cry out right where you are. A simple prayer expressing your faith. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself. I believe that Jesus lived for me and died for me and arose for me. Best way I know how, Lord, I, I don't want my sin anymore. I turn from my sin and I place my trust totally and completely in you. I receive you as my Lord and Savior right now. Come into my life. I give my life for you. Help me to live for you. Help me to live for you. If you expressed a prayer like that or you asked the Lord to save you today, I, I would love to pray for you. I'd love to help you. I would encourage you to share that freely with everybody you meet today. I'd just like to rejoice with you right now. If you prayed a prayer like that today and you asked Jesus to be your Savior, would you just slip your hand up where you are? Say, Preacher, I prayed that. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. Anybody else? All right. God's blessings upon you. Now, Christian, what has God the Holy Spirit put His finger on? How's your prayer life today? Who's setting the agenda in your life? What are you doing with your life? Do you need to make these decisions today? God helping you. I wonder how many Christians today, and again, this is between the Lord, you and me, I just want to pray for you, would say, Preacher, I want to make these three decisions in my life. I want prayer to be non-negotiable. I want God to set the agenda for my life. And I will follow God's agenda as he enables me. And I'd ask for you to pray for me as you close the service. How many Christians would say that? Would you slip your hands up? I see that one. All over. Okay. Anybody else? I see that one. Anybody else? Or you can put those down. You haven't raised your hand. You, you want to. Anybody else? All right. God bless you. By the way, my hand's up. So would you pray for me too? Christian, would you pray for me? Father, I ask you today, bless these that have prayed to receive Christ. Bless them in their newfound faith. Help them to freely share that good news with others. 
and to grow in their faith. I ask for my brothers and sisters and myself that these three decisions would be real in our lives. We would make prayer, communion with you, a non-negotiable. That, Lord, we would let you set the agenda for our lives and that we will follow you as you enable us and empower us. Thank you for your working in our lives today. Thank you, Lord, for the Lord Jesus. Father, thank you that he set the example for us. And Lord Jesus, thank you for being faithful to the mission and not allowing anyone or anything to deter you from doing the Father's will. May we do the same. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, for those who lifted a hand today, whether it was for salvation or you wanted further prayer for um, these decisions, if we can minister to you, I'm here. Pastor Larry's here. Others are here. We would love to help you. We would love to minister to you in any way. We're going to sing in closing just a verse of 433. We appreciate your attendance today. appreciate you being uh, so attentive during the message. And it's just been a great day of worship. Let me encourage you, before we sing, be sure to greet our guests today and um, let them know how glad we are that they're here. And if you are a guest, we're so glad that you've been here today. We trust that you'll be blessed. And I really believe, can I just say this before we go, if we were to practice those three decisions, our life would never be the same. Never be the same. Never. So I really pray that some of made decisions today will forever alter your life and even impact eternity. 433, just the first verse, I surrender all, and then we're free to go. 433, let's stand together, I surrender all. Mm-hmm.